Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was their pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. Cable guy! It's time for... I never saw that. June 14th, 1996. Ben Stiller and Jim Carrey premiere their film, The Cable Guy. Do you know what I have to say in response to that? No. Dong. Dong? Dong. Oh, I know. You know why? I do know why. And can I um, also do a bit within your bit? Yeah. And then we'll uh, reveal the dong or what the what dong means. What do you means? mean reveal the dong? Uh, then so I don't get to say my thing then is what you're saying right now. You're you're not going to do a within my bit. You're going to take over my thing. I guess. But I was doing a bit at the beginning. I was you were? doing I was making our show like doing an introduction of what movie we talked about but in a darker way. Right. And like you might hear on like a cable movie. Maybe. Or just, like a trailer. Yeah. So we watched The Cable Guy from 1996 and Jim Carrey's in it and Jen wants to talk about a particular part. Yeah, his dong. Of Jim Carrey. Um <laughs> Which I was also going to say, you know what? Before we even get started, this movie was done better five years before, and it was called What About Bob? Oh, dude, I have notes about that, yes. All they did was make it darker and add Jim Carrey's peen. I do have notes about that. I I don't completely agree, but I absolutely agree also. Yes, you're right. And and, it, and yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not completely agreeing with myself either. It's not the same <laughs> film, but no. But there was a part there's at near the end that is a literal like ripoff almost, at, like the exact yeah, and a lot of premise. So it was written by a guy named Lou Holtz Jr. Lou Holtz, what's his last name? <laughs> Junior. <laughs> oh no, um, he's not the son of the famous Notre Dame football coach. He's the son of the famous comedian and actor Lou Holtz. Anyway, he was working in the L.A. County DA's office, and he wrote a screenplay, and it got bought, and he made a bunch of money off that, and then he wanted Chris Farley to be in it, and... That would have been so much better. Aw. Jim Carrey got wind of it and said, I want that movie. I want to do that. I need a darker thing. I want to, like, change my career trajectory. I can't keep doing pet detective stuff and being that slapstick facial really? expression dude and he wanted to branch out because there's no branching here yeah well that i'll talk about that later too <laughs> um, i mean not no branching maybe but i'm sorry I, I was are we done talking about the dong i haven't even talked about it no we'll get to the dong don't worry um so jim carrey got attached to it ben stiller directed it and they brought along judd apatow who rewrote the script a which bunch. is why leslie mann is yeah. in it yeah so he re- rewrote the script a bunch, and he said early on in an interview that I read that the earlier version was like a an annoying friend, what about Bob type comedy. And they wanted to make it, Ben Stiller wanted to make it more like a satire of Cape Fear or The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, like darker comedy thing. Uh-huh. What they ended up with was a Jim Carrey movie that's very dark and uneven and weird and 
there are funny moments and there are moments that are cringy and awkward and it feels very stilted. I like this movie. I don't love Jim Carrey in it. it, This is our third foray into Jim Carrey, if you will, right up in there. And uh, it's the second time we've seen and talked about his dong because we got to see his dong in... Not his actual dong, but just the outline of his dong because he was wearing children's pajamas in the movie (laughs) Batman Forever uh, when he played the Riddler. And in this one, he plays the cable guy and his cable uniform, like the first time he comes into the house, he's just standing there. And I was like, uh, look at his pants. Is that? It was more like his dong. Yeah, it was more pronounced in the scene where they're lying in the satellite dish. And it's like there's (laughs) this big outline of his What is the deal with that? But, uh, d- does he just have a huge dick? Yeah, you or can't like, hide it, man. I don't know, but I don't like it. I feel violated by having to see it. Um, I do want to say before we, before I talk any more shit about this movie, I do like many things that Jim Carrey has done later. Eternal Sunshine mm-hmm. of the Spotless Mind, The Truman Show. This movie <laughs> is... End of list. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie is brought up often by Jim Carrey himself and other people as helping him branch out into those types of roles. And I don't see it. Huh. I don't see, because this one was a typical Jim Carrey role. Well. I didn't, it was over the top. It was darker, but that doesn't, I don't know. He did the same shit. He, there were multiple opportunities for Jim Carrey to Jim Carrey. And he did. And he did. And they wrote those into the script as soon as he was attached. It's obvious. It's like painfully obvious that it's like, oh, they threw this in for him. I think the difference, I think the main difference is that they gave him like a sad backstory that that is barely explored and just basically comes up right at the end of the movie. Right. Well, it comes up before that a little bit. Basically, he was raised by TV and his mom was never around. It's very superficial and simple. It's not... but I mean, at least there is that, there's a little bit more complexity to his character. I don't know. I don't think he Jim carries quite as much. But see, now I'm trying to remember. I mean, it parts of it were, see, when we were going to do this movie, I thought that what I was going to say was third time's a charm with Ooh. Jim Carrey. And I can't say Close? that. No? Because it's so, there's just some scenes that are so fucking over the top that it makes me actually angry watching it. Because it's like, you are, he's funny. He was a funny dude. He didn't need to do all the like fucking crazy shit with his face and stupid voices and right. the like, funny just lines, tone it down. The funny things are when he says things like, you'd be surprised how many customers treat me like snot. Like I'm a goddamn plumber or something. So Matthew Broderick's also in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's he's, about he's all we need to say yep. about that. He's there. <laughs> um, he says funny lines, and there are funny deliveries and moments. It's not when he's no, it's playing never a character when he's being or crazy. his face is weird or no. he has weird contacts in or he's running super extreme. Like the basketball scene, oh all these God, like montages funny. and different things, they aren't funny. Not funny. No. Uh, if anybody's funny at all in those scenes, it's the other people. Like Jack Black is slightly a little bit funny, right? And Jack Black has to play the straight man. He Basically, can't yeah. Ham it up either because Jim Carrey's there, which is hard for him, and you can see that it's hard for him. Thanks for bringing your friend, Stephen. 
he does <laughs> he still manages to ham it up a little bit in a Jack Black way yeah. in a you know with his eyebrows and whatever. But um did you forget your fucking segment again? Nope. Ugh. See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. But we should get to it because guess what? October second, nineteen ninety four is a Sunday. No. Oh yeah, full color, baby. Ugh. But I've got good news, and I think I may have used this good news before. It's peanuts. We're doing a Calvin and Hobbes. Oh. Have we ever done a Calvin and Hobbes? I don't believe so. I do think we did a Far Side last week or the week before or one of these weeks. Yeah. And um, I think we said that that was the first Far Side we had done, but I actually don't think it was. I, think I don't we've think done so either. Two far Sides. I don't think we've done Calvin and Hobbes though. No, I don't think so either. Okay, Jen. So you're familiar with Calvin and Hobbes. I'm not going to spend a lot of time introducing you to the characters. I'm familiar. Um, In fact, Elliot and I were just reading some last night. There are, are you ready? Mm -hmm. 11 panels. Yeah, but it's Calvin and Hobbes, so Mm -hmm. it's fine. The first one is big, mostly blank. Did you pick a bad one? No. Okay. Just listen. Find out. (laughs) Fuck around and find out. (laughs) What? It's not what that means. Yeah, it is. No. Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, no, it's not. But Yeah, it is. Why don't you fuck around and find out if it is? <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. Okay. Uh, the first panel is long. Um, it takes up most of the That's top. That's what she said. The top row. Um, the bottom is empty. On the top of the left part of it, it says Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson. And on the right, we see Calvin sitting at his school desk. You know those old school desks? Yeah. With the tops that like mm-hmm. probably fold up or yes. like the insides are uh-huh. open on one side. Um, so he's sitting there. He's got his elbows on his desk and his hands, his face in his hands. And he just looks boring and yeah, depressed. Miserable. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, There are three speech bubbles here. And they're coming from just like off screen, off panel. Mm-hmm. So they're just sticking in there right in front of him. The first one says, Calvin. And the second one says, Calvin. And the third one says, Calvin. That's kind of funny because that's like Bueller. Bueller. Yeah, which is it Matthew is. Broderick, which connects to Good the connection. movie that we're watching. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Okay, the second panel. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This is the final panel on the top row. It's just a normal square one. And in it, we see part of Spaceman Spiff's <laughs> spaceship. Uh-huh. Spaceman Spiff is uh, Calvin's alter ego that he daydreams about. When he's at school. You think people don't know that? I'm just filling him in, you know? Some other people might have missed all of Calvin and Hobbes. I guess. Spaceman Spiff um, looks just like Calvin, but he wears like a spacesuit and he has square sunglasses on, which are badass looking. Mm-hmm. And he drives, or drives, whatever. He, he flies a spaceship. A f- spaceship. It's and... like a flying saucer almost. Mm-hmm. It's like round and it has a little dome that he sits in. It's awesome. Okay, so he's flying and he says, hmm... The engine's making funny noises. So then we get down. This is like, I love the Spaceman Spiff stuff because it's like, I mean, I know it's a comic strip, but it's like comic book style, yeah. the way he tells the stories in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, the Well, it's a beautiful, I just, Calvin's whole inner world is so well developed in, in Calvin Hobbes. I yes. just feel like he did such a great it's job great. with that. And sorry, I know that you have a comic to describe to me that I'm not allowed to see, but uh, but I think you know those kids who are bored are often or like you know who aren't participating in school are often labeled 
not smart or right whatever and you can see they're bad they're not paying attention they're daydreaming it's such a great example of what's going on inside the minds of so many kids you know right it's super creative and very elaborate not that every kid is interesting you know like brilliant like this but you know what i mean yeah i think most are if we let them be anyway i believe the children are future thanks whitney keep going um, Teach them well. Nope. Let them lead the way. I know you're just going to start singing as soon as I start describing it again. Mm-mm. So in the next panel, Whitney Houston <laughs> is standing there saying, Jen, stop. <laughs> We're going to sue you. This is the ghost of Whitney Houston and her lawyers. Okay, go. So the next panel is really cool. Give um, them a sense. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry, I, couldn't, I, I just had that in me and I had to. Sorry. No, for real. I am so done. This segment's going to last <laughs> forever if I yeah. keep going. I'm not going to. I promise. Our new segment, Seeing the Funny Papers Interrupted by an 80s song that Jen wants to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, the next panel is really cool. It's a very tight oh. close up of Spaceman Spiff holding on to the controls. Yeah. And it's he's going down. That'd be really neat to see, I bet. Yeah, the ship is going down, and so his whole body is like distorted. His hair is flying back, which doesn't make any sense because he's under a dome of a spaceship. But I get it. It's like the whole thing is kerned almost. Like it's pushed back because there's so much speed happening. He's going down, and he said, and his his sunglasses that are like just a big square, like rectangle, yeah, square rectangle. You know, a big black rectangle. They usually have the lenses are little square white parts they're like triangles Uh uh-huh um and his teeth are gritted and bared and he says he says this yes spaceman spiff says this out loud spaceman spiff is going down over planet gork the next panel shows a city like a really civilized advanced alien city with arches and domes and spires and skyscrapers yeah and the spaceship is going down at an angle um, the spaceship also I love. It's round and red, and it has two little fins on the back and two yellow lights in the front, like headlights. Okay. And he says, Zounds, the planet is inhabited. An alien metropolis opens up before our hero's eyes. Okay, third panel, last one on this row. It's pretty wide, and it's like a canted angle of this alien metropolis. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I bet. I'd love to... I'd love to... I'd love to uh, take a look at it. Yeah, I bet you would. Um, But I'll just describe it for you. It's better that way. Um, And so we see like a tube. It looks like maybe some sort of transit system. Um, And there's other buildings that are kind of shaped like pagodas or like there's one that kind of looks like the Space Needle, like swoopy modernist 50s style futurism. Um, And the colors are really bright and neat. There's like a mustard um, green and the bright blue and the purple. I love, col- I love colors and colorful sky. stuff. And the ships in the background. And he says, Spiff stabilizers refuse to respond. Our hero is going to crash. Next line. Next, Yeah, we're down on the third row now, final row. The next panel um, is kind of a, a close-up of the spaceship and you see the two headlights on the front and you can see Spaceman Spiff. Now the eye, the lenses on his glasses are round. And he's looking directly at us, like breaking the fourth wall. Why and I are they like changing this one shape? Because they're expressive. They're like Spidey's eyes in the Spidey suit. Oh, okay. I like it. Um, I like oh, this one. I see what you mean now. Okay. Because you can see inside the ship and there's just a round angled panel that goes all the way around him with controls and 
sensors and stuff in his ship. Mm, that must be cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really neat. And he's yeah. looking at us and he says in big like teal letters that are all caps and huge and outlined and you know, it says this spells disaster. Next panel. It's real narrow. It shows Calvin at his desk, but he's not sitting at his desk. His butt is a good <laughs> foot off the seat. His eyes are huge. His hair sticking up like it always does, I guess. Um, his mouth is open. He's like screaming. And there's a speech bubble that says, and this speech bubble isn't white on the background. It's uh-huh. like yellow, yellowish orange kind of. Okay. And it says, Calvin. Oh. So the teacher's still yelling. Like, Calvin, right. Calvin, uh-huh. Calvin. Next panel, Calvin is in his seat. He's seated with his hand on his desk. And he's looking up like he's thinking, you know. And he says, uh, D, I. S-A-S-T-E-R. Like, was she asking him to spell disaster? Next panel. It's another little narrow one, and he's facing us again, but his eyes are just little black circles, and he's looking kind of like, huh. Like, I pulled it off. This is amazing. Um, And the speech bubble from his teacher says... Let me guess. It's something like, I asked you what was two plus two, or something like that. No, it says... Very good. I'm glad you were paying attention. Oh, wow. We got two more panels. Oh, Jesus Christ. Second to last one. The ship is landed, and you can see the landing gear are just like three little wheels that pop out. The hatch has popped up, and Spaceman Spiff is standing up. You know how when people win something, they clasp their own hands? Yeah. And then hold them above and like pump them back and forth? I sure do. Yep. He's doing that, and he says, yes. Once again, the incredible spaceman Spiff beats all odds to save the day. Final panel. Calvin is standing on his desk chair or on his chair and doing the same thing. His mouth is open. We see his tongue. It's the same exact pose, but he doesn't have the glasses on. He has his red shirt, you know, and he's doing the fist pumping thing, clasping his hands together. And the teacher says, you may sit down, Calvin. Oh, okay. I I think that would have been way better if it ended at Good. I'm glad you're paying. I'm glad you were paying attention. I think that would have been a much better ending. Pers- yeah. Personally, I can see that. I also I do like though that he just popped right back into the fantasy. Yeah. Where he like. Yeah. Landed because he never really left it because yeah. he spelled it correctly. Right, right. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was. Um, I have two complaints, and those are one. It was very long. Yeah, it's Sunday, so there's nothing and I can do about that. Two, there was no Hobbs. No, no Hobbs. That's, no Hobbs at that's all. That's true. He's at school. I know, and I, but I, I love his teacher. I can picture her right now. Like, oh my god, she, yeah, just like consistently exasperated. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Thanks. Thank you. No, thank you. See you in the funny. Back to the cable guy, and let me tell you, this movie has everything. It has every, like, or at least several white people in it that were, like, up and coming. Janine Garofalo makes an appearance, David Cross, Bob Odenkirk. Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. uh, Jack Black, we talked about. Jack Black has a a little bit bigger part, but yeah. And those, I wouldn't, like, I was talking about this before and I wouldn't really call those cameos because they, they were kind of unknown yet. 
not they weren't unknown at all, but they were like smaller. Yeah, like Mr. Show they was all, around. They'd all been on Mr. Show. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and done other things, but yeah. Um, I mean, it, this movie absolutely doesn't pass the Bechdel test. So here's some other things it has, though. It's got hair plugs. It's oh. got Tony Robbins. Yeah. It's got um, Dong. It's got... We covered the Dong. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much it that it has. You know what this movie doesn't have a lot of? Mm, depth. Um, yeah, that's true. Funny. I was going to say money that it made. Oh, really? It was supposed to be a summer blockbuster. Not the big yeah. like special effects, super expensive film. Yeah, because um, this is one that we've been like, is Cable Guy a summer blockbuster? No, not really. But Jim Carrey, as we talked about before, yeah. this was like peak Jim Carrey oh, time. Yeah. Like he w- not he made better films later that were also big and huge but this was like he exploded on the scene he made how many movies we talked about this before he made like three huge movies in 1995 alone in or 94, something 94 i think it was the mask was 94 and dumb and dumber I believe, um yep dumb and dumber batman forever batman forever was 95 and ace was ventura it? was 95 when's this one this one's 96 Okay. So he yeah, would, this he was very this busy was at huge, this time, and he got this film because they were like, "Well, shit, Jim Carrey, we need to put him on it. It's going to be a huge summer blockbuster." They paid him twenty million dollars for this film, which was a record at the time, and over a third of the entire budget for the production and marketing of the film. Gross. Um, I'm sorry. Back up for a second. Ace Ventura was not ninety five. I think it was. No, that came out before or I Or maybe Ace Ventura 2 was Maybe, 95. but if it is, we have to watch it. We don't. And here's yes, what I'm going to say. Third time's a charm. No. And also, three strikes, you're out. <laughs> so we don't watch any more Jim Carrey films. <laughs> I think we're going to have to discuss this off the podcast. I won't discuss it. <laughs> it's been decided. The committee met and you're not on the committee. Okay. We've discussed this. <laughs> Um. Yeah, Jim Carrey was a big fucking deal. Um, and, and this movie was a box office flop. Flop. Not really a disaster. Like it made its money back eventually. It's actually kind of surprising to me because Matthew Broderick was still a big deal. I feel like from or was Ferris Ferris Bueller kinda, was a long time before this. Yeah. I guess. I mean, that's what Matthew Broderick. Matt. I know you said we didn't need to talk more about him, but like he was fine. He's just. There. That's like that's how I think of him in every role except for Ferris Bueller. I really like him, but I don't I'm not appreciating his He didn't he, did, he didn't bring a whole lot to <laughs> right. you know, like I don't know. I I I He just does the job and he's fine. In I this. guess. Yeah. Like I would rather have seen Jack Black in that role. You know, and Matthew mm. Broderick as the friend or whatever. Like it, it would have. I don't know. I mean, Jack Black and Jim Carrey would have been too much. But do you know what I mean? Like, or Ben Stiller even, who directed this? Yeah. Or no? Did yeah, he, direct he directed it? it, and he shows up in it. So there is one cameo, which honestly is, or a couple cameos. I guess possibly my favorite part of the movie is that Ben that Stiller is a cameo. Is Ben Stiller's whole thing in the yeah. movie? So the beginning of the movie starts with like fuzzy, staticky screen, and then they flip through a bunch of channels, and you see like it's this extreme close up of these. All these old shows, they do like Six Million Dollar Man and that um, Press Your Luck game show and they do a bunch of stuff like that. And then they show a clip of Ben Stiller in a suit in a courtroom 
And this runs throughout the film as they're as people are watching TV. It's like the big case that's happening. Yeah, he's like a child star <laughs> who starred with his twin brother on some TV show, <laughs> and sitcom. then you know how what child stars called? grow up. What and... was the sitcom called? The twins were stars of the hit sitcom Double Trouble, which aired from 1977 till 1984. I can't remember Two of a Kind or something. Or yeah. is that a real show? Mm, I don't. Know. I don't know. Um, but one of the brothers killed the other one, and. He's yeah. on trial for killing his twin yeah. brother. So that that runs through the whole thread of the movie. And we can just give it away right now. Jim Carrey gives a big monologue speech on top of a satellite dish after re- referencing Goldeneye, which we've talked about before, mm-hmm. and says that he has to, because he was raised by the TV. TV, yeah. And he references tons of things, and we'll talk about some of those. But then he sacrifices himself, basically, and is like, we have to kill the babysitter. And he jumps down <sighs> yeah. to destroy the satellite dish. Which was like, boy, it got real heavy-handed there. Yeah. At the so end. And he, I, yeah. he doesn't die, and the satellite dish isn't destroyed, but it does stop the broadcast at the exact moment that everyone in that metropolitan area is watching the verdict about to be announced right. for Ben Stiller's So we never find out. Thing. So we or never do we? Find out. Did we? No. I mean, he's and guilty. He's like, guilty. Come on. Oh, and then they show a scene of a dude watching it, and then the music rises in this magical stuff, and he sighs, and he sees a book next to him. And picks up a book. And he picks book. it up. I mean, it's clearly satire. Like, they're right. not actually trying to be that heavy-handed about it. it, it it's very, it's really funny, actually. But again, it, that scene also... It was uneven for me. It didn't work yeah. because there was no didn't other... It didn't fit the tone of the rest of the movie. Right. And it just kind of stuck out. It, mm-hmm. A lot of the things, the funny lines even, the lines where you're like laughing because this like understated good comedic timing of Jim Carrey or whoever said it, those stuck out to me. And it took me out of the movie because I'm like, oh, that was funny. Wow, the old McNair place. Never thought they'd get the floors clean after what happened in here. What happened? They had a lot of cats. I don't know. It just bothered me. Um, and it stuck out almost as much as Jim Carrey's like running posture or facial contortions. I thought or, you were going to say his dong. Or his um, dong. I thought that the whole trial thing was really funny. I don't really, I can't really tell you why I thought it was so funny. I just thought it was really clever the way they did it because it was so, they just, I don't know. It was just a perfect cable news trial yeah, you know, like a and, moment that everyone's watching and experiencing yes, together. Yeah, and Ben Stiller, you hardly see him, but he made me. It made me laugh. Like I don't know, his expressions made me laugh really hard. And then yeah. the one, the other part that was that made me laugh out loud was that he was trying to blame it on an Asian gang. They play the nine one one call during the <laughs> trial. Oh, that's right. That's right. Hi, I'm Tabitha Soren with MTV News. Today in the Sam Sweet case, the prosecution played the 911 call that Sam Sweet made the night he murdered his brother. Keep in mind, Mr. Sweet confessed one month later. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My kid brother's been shot. I think it was an Asian gang or something. I saw someone. He looked Asian, and he was speaking another language. I'm pretty sure it was... <laughs> it's really good. Oh God, it made me laugh really hard but again, because it was so ridiculous. It felt like and like racist, you know, like they were so proud of themselves for writing that bit. They're like, we have to put it in here. It doesn't really fit with anything else we're doing, but let's just put it in. It'll be ridiculous and silly. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just a cable thing. It's a, it's, it's a, yeah. you know. And there's a whole bunch of over the top. It's the ridiculousness of the shit that satire. we all, you know, we all love that kind of fucking drama. And, and also that kind of racism is real, you know? Yeah. But then it's played against Matthew Broderick, who's an architect, and his girlfriend broke up with him because he proposed. And they're and both they just, just play so it boring. Totally straight. Yeah, he and her are both boring. So she... there's these over-the-top satire elements yeah. ramming up against Matthew Broderick. And Leslie Mann, who, she looks like a literal Barbie doll in this. I mean, I guess she just looked like a Barbie doll. Probably still does, actually. Um, yeah, no women talk about anything. So she's the only woman except for Janine Garofalo for five seconds as a server at Medieval, Medieval Times. Times. Yeah. Welcome to Medieval Times. I'll be your serving lunch, Melinda. Might I fetch you something from the barkeep? Can we talk a little bit about, okay, so. Oh, wait, the I was going to talk about um, the other cameo is Eric Roberts shows up as a, there's like a made-for-TV movie about Ben Stiller and his brother, <laughs> right, yeah. and Eric Roberts plays, plays both, both of them, roles, yeah. which is a weird cameo, but it was pretty funny. I Okay, so the main, the plot of the movie is that Matthew Broderick got broken up with. He moved out of his home with his girlfriend, so he's in a new apartment. He has to get cable set up. The cable guy comes, and he's like this creepy stalker guy who stalks him and, like, you know, Ends up threatening him and he gives to, him free know. cable, but then he wants to be friends in return and hang out. Right, and so it destroys. You know, Matthew Broderick loses his job and he goes to jail for a little bit, and like, there's all this crazy shit that happens. But that's basically it. It's a stalker movie, but then there's the breakup, and, the... and they make that hilarious joke that um, only shows up in a few things about how you know gay sex like rape in prisons. You know, they make that. Did they homophobic? Yeah, I remember that joke. Oh, There's, God. Yes, I do. Because yeah. he... Oh, God. Yes, because Jim Carrey... God, it's just so gross. He puts his nipple on the glass, you know? Like, when you go to visit a prisoner and there's the glass between you. He puts his nipple on the glass and he's, like, acting like they're lovers. And then... Like, just he's so basically, like, trying to get... Yeah. yeah. Uh, dude. Yeah, it's bad. Um, But what I was going to say is the one part I thought was really funny with Matthew Broderick was... He's so depressed about this woman who dumped him and he's lying on the couch and an ad for Tony Robbins DVDs comes up and he like calls immediately and orders the DVDs. Yeah. And I just thought that was so fucking funny. There's a whole scene where Jim Carrey sings the entire song okay. of Somebody to Love by Jefferson Airplane. This is when I wrote down, has Jim Carrey no shame? Does he not? Was he born without that part of the brain. That scene could have been eight seconds long. It's so, oh, it's so bad. It's so painful. And it's when he, it's actually the worst scene in the movie for me because it's it's when he's doing the most with his stupid fucking facial expressions and just, it's so hard to watch. It's painful. It's awful. Yeah. But then they also have scenes where like George Siegel plays Matthew Broderick's dad and he comes, like, every time he's on screen and every line he has almost in the movie ends with, it's killing your mother, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is really funny. Yeah. But they only do it, like, twice. Right. And then he doesn't do it anymore yeah. later on. And mm -hmm. it's it's weird. But those those lines are funny. Those Like, mm -hmm. there were funny things in there. The part where he brings all this, like, equipment that he apparently stole 
uh, for Matthew Broderick's house, and he had set it up like in a there. home theater system. Yeah, and Matthew Broderick's like, "You broke into my house when I wasn't here," and he's like, "How else would I get in? By osmosis." It was funny. Yeah. Made me laugh. Actually, um, he says osmosis because he has for list. some reason the character has a lisp. Well, they explain it, but it's also, it's played for laughs a bit, and I'm not sure how I felt about that. There's one scene, again, at the end when they get in a big fight, and he Matthew Broderick punches him in the face, and his lisp is gone. And then right. he punches him again, and his and lisp comes back. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, dumb. Um. Yeah, so Bob Odenkirk shows up just at the end. He's Matthew Broderick's brother, I think, though it's never fully clear. Yeah. Owen Wilson uh, goes on a date with Leslie Mann, and he's a total douche, and it's pretty funny. Excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. Hey, what's the story with our chicken, man? Your chicken. Have the eggs had a chance to hatch yet? Well, maybe you can go check on it for me, my friend, if it's not too much trouble for you. All right, I'm sorry to put you out. See the attitude? Unbelievable. Yeah, they also reference a lot of old TV and cable stuff because which fits, which I kind of like. They work some like of those in too. really well. Um, they reference "I Love Lucy." We well, talked about. Go ahead. Well, he he goes by different names all the time. Right. But he, he has he aliases. Actually, so you find out he was fired from the cable company several years ago. And the cable company is called the Cable Company. <laughs> yeah, and the names he uses are all from. Old TV shows. Right. There's a whole bunch of them. Like Larry Tate is from Bewitched. Ernie Douglas um, is from My Three Sons. And the older brother was named Chip. And he says, but my friends call me Chip. At the end, he's Ricky Ricardo. He's also Jean-Luc Picard and and a whole bunch of other names. Um, But yeah, they reference I Love Lucy, Sleepless in Seattle, Password. They play Porno Password, which is a super awkward and stupid scene. So dumb. Uh, Bewitched, uh, we mentioned in Star Trek, Brady Bunch. He mentions how... His mom expected Mike and Carol Brady to raise him. Um, a lot of these come up during the final scene on the satellite dish. Um, and he re- he mentions movies that we've watched and stuff, like Bad Boys. He did? Yeah, as they're climbing the the satellite dish, Matthew Broderick jumps and grabs it, and he's like, ooh, good jump. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? He starts oh, singing that. Oh, Bad Boys. Yeah. Well, that was a TV show, You're though. right. That song was also in the movie, though, I, because I think yeah. we had this conversation on that episode where we were like, was this it wasn't song just written cops, for the right? show or for the movie? No, no it was the real song. It was the Baja Boys. Yeah. Um, GoldenEye, Waterworld, he references. Um, Happy Days, The Facts of Life. He learned <laughs> the facts of life from the facts of life. From watching The, the facts, facts of, of Life. life. Yeah, it was very predictable. The Cosby Show. There's a whole bunch the of references. I thought the Waterworld reference was really funny, yeah. actually. Uh, okay, so can we please talk about the scene with the with the password? Porno password? Do we it have wasn't to? even porno. It was just like body parts. That's what he calls it. Though. I know, but it's stupid. Yeah, so somehow Matthew Broderick has now cut this guy out of his life or tried to because he's a fucking stalker. And he was in prison or jail. He went over to prison because of him. Yeah. And yet his family and his ex girlfriend uh, have embraced him into their lives yeah. for no reason Over that is discernible at all. And he sets They're, it up so that when Matthew Broderick's like, what? This guy's fucking crazy. Why is he here? They all are no, on Chip's this is, side. This is the what about Bob scene. This is the exact. Yeah. It is absolutely stolen from what about Bob. I hate you. Get out of my life. He's projecting all of his anger onto me. Maybe I should go. No, don't go. Steven, you are being an asshole. What? It's... 
Bill Murray is so much better. Bill Murray is likable. Jim Carrey is not likable. I mean, in What About Bob, the issue is like nobody would be on this side of it. Everyone would see, right, that this guy is like has crossed a line. He's inappropriate, whatever. But it's but he's also like a lovable dude. In this case, there is no way that anybody would like this guy. He's so obnoxious. Yeah. He's it it made me mad because it was like, oh, this is just a shitty. What about Bob? Like. I mean, he's playing a character that we don't get to see how what character he plays to Matthew Broderick's family. We see a little bit of how he interacts yeah. with um, with Stephen's girlfriend, Robin, Leslie Mann. But we don't see how he ingratiates himself with them. And he's acting different. But well, he's still so over no. the top. And the way he talks and acts like... Password. He plays password with them. And, and they all think it's fun. And he's fucking obnoxious. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's weird. It's not believable. He's not acting different with them. He's being an obnoxious douche. Like well, he is, you know? When he's with Matthew Broderick, he's like... There's a scene where he like... The first time they meet, he comes in and feels his wall and then like taps it and like fingers a spot in the wall where he's going to drill and it's all sexual and weird. And he says dumb shit. Grosses me out. If a dude said this to you as soon as you met them, you'd be like, okay, you have no boundaries and no, I'm not going to hang out with you. This is weird and you're awkward. No, exactly. And that's what I'm saying is like, so Matthew Broderick is Richard Dreyfus in this case and Jim Carrey is the Bill Murray character. And I, I, I love What About Bob? So that's part of this reaction but like i just thought it was really bad i I don't know why they even they didn't even need that they didn't need that whole storyline of him being close to his family there's like it didn't need to be there and it was played for laughs but was not funny in my opinion yeah it was really awkward um bob odenkirk's face that he makes and his line are funny in that scene yeah that's the only funny thing the hell is wrong with you, man? Yeah, they get cheap laughs from like the idea that Matthew Broderick has to play password with his mom and get her to say nipple or vagina. Yeah, or... it's so so. It's just not funny. I don't. I and again, like if it's satire, I don't know what they're going for there. You know what I mean? Like, it, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. And then so yeah. I mean, in the end, uh, he takes Leslie Mann up to the cable dish thing. Giant cable place, which, uh, and then he like Matthew Broderick shows up and saves her life. And then we, as we discussed recently on our Twister episode, near death experiences fix every relationship. And so they get back together. Yeah, they kiss. You immediately kiss after a near death experience. Absolutely. Like that. And then Abs- you're together and forever. In the rain. And it's always in the rain. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, uh, do you have more to say about cable? Well, the final scene is. He's he broke his back basically or injured his back. They strap him onto a gurney and yeah. they're life flighting him out of there in a helicopter. And the EMT or one of the guys in the helicopter looks at him and is like, "You're gonna be okay, buddy." And they zoom in on Jim Carrey's face and it takes fucking forever. They show his face for like a full ten seconds where he like slowly contorts into this grin, and then he says, "Do you mean it?" am I really your buddy or some stupid shit? And we're supposed to be like, oh, okay, it's going to happen again. Yeah. How funny. He's going to stalk another person. Ha ha ha. So that's it for Jim Carrey on the I Never Saw That podcast. I'm pretty excited. We should celebrate. We don't have to watch any more Jim Carrey movies or talk about them in this timeline. Yay. I disagree. 
And I'm the one who missed it all. So actually the committee voted and you're not on the committee. Well, and so there's a bigger we committee. We will be watching Ace Ventura too. Protecting your mental health. A bigger committee? A bigger like a committee over your committee and they decided for your own safety. What do you mean? You shouldn't over my committee. You shouldn't watch that you, film. Are they bigger or are they over my committee? They're Which bigger is it? and over. <laughs> on the hierarchical like org chart, they're over and they're written in a bigger font. How many font? people are on that committee? Just 800? the one? 800? No. 800 people. They're all very big, full grown-ups. Your committee is made up of children. There's two of them. Anyway, so I think it's interesting watching this movie, Micah, because in the 90s, well, at this time, I was at a therapeutic boarding school in Montana. Right. As you know. But also, even before that, I did not have cable at my house, and nor did you, because we both kind of grew up out in the woods or out in the boonies, uh, like outside of town. I mean, I experienced cable at other places. Like I've talked about before, the apartment where I ran away from home to um, and stayed there for a few months and it wasn't a good choice in my life. Uh, but we watched a lot of like Beavis and Butthead is what I, a lot of MTV. And I obviously did not have cable um, for the two years when I was in Montana, nor any television or. But you got to watch movies every once in a while, like The Mask. Yep. Yep. That's right. Once again, bad choices. Yeah. That wasn't my bad choice, though. No, but just bad choices all around. Have you ever had a stalker, Micah? Uh, no, not that I know of. I mean, I guess I could have had one that they were just really good at stalking and not didn't right. actually get that close to me. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works oh. exactly. They, I was stalked from afar, maybe. <sighs> okay. No, I don't think I have. I haven't really either. <laughs> oh, sorry. Did you want me to ask you if you've had a... Have you ever had a stalker, Jen? No. I, well, no. Not to really that extent at all. But listen, I'm trying to figure out how to connect this shit to like my life before Montana or in Montana or... Not everything needs to connect to Montana. I know it and doesn't some have to things, connect, but including I... Jim Carrey's dong, don't have to connect. You can just put up a boundary there and say, no more Jim Carrey. He's not allowed in this discussion anymore. I know. I was just trying to think about like what I could share about Montana this week, you know, or pre-Montana. And I was like, oh, maybe I had a stalker. No, I didn't. Uh, you didn't have cable. At didn't least have a stalker. not before I went, you, you know. You weren't an architect. You've never been to jail. Mm-mm. You don't know how to install cable. No, I don't. Oh, man. I don't know anything about any. I just don't think there are a lot of parallels. We did play basketball a little bit. Oh, and yeah. And there's a basketball scene in this movie. There is a basketball scene that's also really cringy. Although... It's awful. The one time Jim Carrey Jim carried that I kind of enjoyed in this movie was when he was running lines in the gym to warm oh, up. Oh, that made me laugh a lot, actually. That was pretty funny and over that the top. That was really funny. It and that really could have been it. That kind of like physical humor is funny. It's his face that is the worst. You know? And the voice. Yeah. Um. And then he... That, that's the like iconic scene from this movie where he jumps on Jack Black's back and steps on him to dunk and then breaks the backboard and the glass falls yep. everywhere. And and then it ruins the funniness yeah. of it. Um, yeah, that never happened to me. Uh, but we did play basketball a little bit and it was our... So my family counselor was the one person who he really... He tried to get us out 
of the ranch, like when he could. So he was the one that would take us to play soccer. We played soccer almost every weekend down at this little airport. And when I say airport, I mean a large patch of grass. A grass field. With a tiny little cement strip. Was it like that scene in Wayne's World where they're playing hockey in the street and they yell car every time a car comes? Did no. you guys have to yell like plane and run no, to the side? No, no. There were very, there's almost never planes. Mm. Um, so yeah, we played soccer a lot. That was our main thing. But then he took us and I, I it must have been like a local elementary school or something because uh, he took it. It was a gym. It was an actual gym. And we, he was, he had high hopes for me because I'm fucking tall. And I was okay, but not very good. I'm not very good at basketball, okay, guys? I'm tall, and that doesn't mean that you're good at basketball. Um, in fact, in middle school, I was on the team. Actually, I had a couple good games, but mostly I suck because I'm so, I was like so self conscious about anyone watching me like run around and do stuff. But yeah, so I was this one time sitting on the bench waiting to go in and I was like turned around talking to all my friends at the game and then I got put in the game and I didn't know which direction my team was going and so uh first I got hit in the head with the ball and then I shot <laughs> at the wrong basket and it went sailing way over yeah so no harm done no harm anyway so yeah but Mike uh the counselor did make us run lines a lot of oh. lines and god I hate lines so you played in a gym you didn't have like a basketball hoop on the ranch there was a basketball hoop oh. on a, in a little area with cement that I had forgotten about until I recently looked at a diagram of the school, but we never used it. Never. That's weird. I know. Were you not allowed to or was nobody no, was interested? No, I'm sure we would or... have been. I, I don't, I just, yeah, it's not something that we did. Huh. But yeah, we went to an actual little gym and did drills and. Like the little gym, like the place where you take toddlers? Yep. Yes, Micah. Mm -hmm. That's weird. It is weird. It's weird they had those back then in rural Montana. I thought those were a newer franchise. Yeah. It's really hard to play basketball in there also. Because yeah, there's no <laughs> like, hoops and there's, there's no and the floor hoops. is all pads. It's a lot of mats and like huh. foam and, you know, ropes. Yeah. Well, this was stupid, but I'm glad you went with me on that little journey. <laughs> anyway, yep. So that is it for the cable guy. And for Jim Carrey. And my basketball career. And not Jim Carrey, because I think we're going to watch Ace Ventura 2. Well, I think we discussed that before. And <laughs> um, how? hey, you know what? How about you all weigh in on this, listeners? Do you want us to do Ace Ventura 2? Yay or nay? Which committee do you trust? And is the, the real question. I... <laughs> Guess that settles it. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you so much. I uh, I was talking to my brother who is in town right now. You all have, if you've been listening to our show for a long time, you've heard him a couple times on here. Uh, he was saying that he has really been enjoying the summer blockbusters. So that was really nice to hear. Hopefully other people have felt that same way. I think we're kind of done with that um, now. I think we're kind of transitioning out of the blockbusters. Would you agree? Maybe. I don't know what we're doing next. Okay. Well, anyway, um, it's been really fun to do that. And so, yep, we love and appreciate you. Uh, always please feel free to reach out, join our Facebook group, tweet at us. Um, you can become a patron if you want to be like a really cool person. And um, that's it. Thank you, and thanks to Graham McRae for our artwork. Thank you to Fee5Folios for our internet stuff. Thanks to Minus Violet for our music. Until next time, see, see you in the, the 90s. 90s. If 
you wanna have fun, come home with me. You Jesus. can stay all night and play with my Where's TV? the cable guy TV already? Is the thing this year, this year. TV is the thing this year.